Well, good morning. Let's start with a word of prayer before we get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for uh, all the moms today who have just been such a, a special blessing to us, and we just pray that you would make this a wonderful day for them. We pray that you would fill them with your spirit of encouragement and comfort as, Lord, we're reminded of all the wonderful ways that they have cared for us. We pray that you would help this to be a special day for them. Lord, as, um, as everyone just showers them with love and affection, help them to feel your joy as well. And we pray that you would also encourage us in your word. We pray, O oh Lord Jesus, that you are the good shepherd, that you would just take care of your flock and walk us through these days ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we paused our series in the book of Ephesians and we began a new series called Five Promises for This Pandemic. Uh, we are taking a month off because we need targeted encouragement for these troubling times. And so uh, here's the series overview. We started last week with God's purpose and God promises to work this together for good. Today we move on to God's presence. He promises to be with us as we grow in love. And then we'll, in the weeks ahead, talk about God's provision and his protection and his power. But today, the sermon is on how God promises to be with us as we grow in love. God's presence is where we draw our strength and encouragement during troubled times. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we look at God's presence. You can write this down. Uh, encounter God and enjoy his presence. That's what we're invited to do. We're going to see four ways, four places where we can encounter God and enjoy his presence together today. Um, we are looking for new and exciting things to do with the kids while we're still quarantined and sheltering in place. And so we, uh, we found this app uh, called geocaching and we took the kids out geocaching yesterday and if you've never been out it's it's a lot of fun what you do is you you get the app and then you pull up a map and it shows you all of the different places where people have hidden geocaches in the world right around you here's a picture of what it looks like when you pull up the map there's these uh, little boxes or containers all over and this is just right around our our church every one of those green things is a geocache. And so you can see the smiley face is one we found, the sad face is one we didn't. And so once you go to one of these locations, you, you just transition to the map and then it starts showing you how to find the actual little container. Here's the next picture that shows you what you see. You see a little line and it, it walks you right to it. Uh, and then here's the next picture. If you need a compass, you can actually use a compass to get exactly in the right spot so that you can find the geocache, open it up, and then usually there's a little list in there and you can sign your name uh, and the date that you found it. And sometimes there are trinkets in there and you can uh, put something in there uh, as like a, a souvenir for somebody to come along and find. So geocaching is a lot of fun because it's fun to find things that are hidden. Going out, finding them together was fun. Well, here's the question. How do we find God? There's not an app for that. We can't pull up an app and follow 15 steps this direction and three steps that direction. How do we find God's presence? Well, the Bible says that it shouldn't be hard. In Psalm 139, 7 to 12, it says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, 
Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. This psalm highlights the omnipresence of God, that no matter where we go in all of the world, in all of the universe, God is already there. So uh, if you had the app telling you where God was, it would just point everywhere because God in his nature is omnipresent. So if that's true, then why does he feel so invisible? If that's true, then why does he feel so inaccessible? That tension is something that the Bible presents. We have a God who is everywhere, and yet it's hard to encounter him, and it's hard to experience his presence. So how do we do it? Well, here's the first thing you can write down. Encounter and enjoy God in creation. We can encounter God, and we can enjoy God in creation. The whole world is designed to glorify God. And what that means is it's designed to show that there is a God and that he's great, and mighty, and wise, and creative. We can learn that just by being in nature, just by being in creation. And that's why the whole universe was created, to glorify God. That's why you and I were made too. We were made so that other people can actually encounter God, because we're here in some way. So everything was made for God's glory, and in Psalm 19, 1 to 3, it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. This means it's a universal language. Everything in nature, everything in creation is shouting that there is a God, and He's glorious, and He's wise. Now, this is what we would call general revelation. General revelation can't teach us specifics about God or His plan or His character, but it can show us that there is a God and that He's wonderful. Uh, in, in, um, there are many ways that we see the creativity and the, and the ingenuity of God. Here's a landscape scene of a beautiful sunset. Uh, and you see that you can just sit there for hours and breathe in the mountain air and watch the beautiful sky and see the trees swaying in the wind. And when you see something like that, something in you says, there must be a God. That wasn't an accident. That looks like art. Or look to the animal world. When you see critters like this, these little chicks, you realize that it's so much more than just a box of, assemble, of, of random parts shaken and assembled together. There's, there's creativity there in the color and the design. Uh, or if you look up in the night sky, what you see is stars and stars beyond number. The Hubble Deep Space Telescope has been focused on one small sliver of space for decades Uh, a size of space just one percent the size of the moon and it it just stares out there all day long taking pictures and videos and then putting them together and and this is one of the most breathtaking pictures that it's produced hey listen in a 10-year period of looking at just one small dot of space they have put together this picture and they've counted 10,000 listen galaxies 10,000 galaxies in a dot of space. There must be a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. What power it took to create all of that. But God is not just far off. God is not just out there, this, this being who's so great and so wise that we could never even comprehend him. No, from the very beginning, we see a God who had also drew near. In Genesis 3.8, it says this, 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, it's Adam and Eve and they got in trouble. They blew it. They, they took the bait. They ate the apple or whatever fruit it was. And, and listen, it says here that God was walking in the garden. Hey, from the very beginning, we have a God who manifests his presence to us. Now, this is different than general revelation. This is special revelation. This is God showing up with his feet on the planet, sharing words with people. This is, this is a specific encounter with God where we got to know him personally. And hey, we can't know God personally if he doesn't disclose himself. God must disclose himself. And so from the beginning of creation, he did. And how foolish it is that Adam and Eve responded to God revealing himself by running off and hiding after they had sinned. That, that had to be, con I wish there were video cameras back then. Can you imagine Adam saying, hey, I found the perfect spot. Come with me. Like what? And then they hid from God. You can see how Amazing it is that God was with us and how foolish it is that we responded so shamefully. But things have not changed today, have they? You know this. God's presence is simultaneously the most terrifying and satisfying place on earth. That's why we run to him so gladly and that's why we run from him so easily. God still reveals himself, and we still respond in a mixed manner. It does start with creation, though. Let me ask you this. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling suffocated? Are you feeling anxious? Are you, are you feeling like you, can't, you just can't sense God? Hey, listen, the best thing you can do is get outside and find ways to experience creation to get out of your own head, to get out of your own heart, and to just look on the wonders of nature. God will meet you there in a general way, but in a powerful way. You will sense his presence. You will see his creativity. You will ponder his wisdom. It's so healthy to find ways to encounter God and to enjoy him in creation. How are you doing at that? How are you doing at that, at seeking out those experiences Number one, encounter and enjoy God in creation. Number two, encounter and enjoy God in history. God reveals his presence in creation and God reveals his presence in history. The Bible records God's activity among the nations, but Israel was center stage and God adopted Israel out of all of the countries. He uh, adopted them and saved them out of slavery in Egypt so that he can settle them, them in a land of promise under the leadership of Moses. They were called out of slavery to become a dwelling place for God. It's so important to understand why God picked Israel for this special purpose. It was so that God could inhabit that community. It was God becoming present with man again. In Hebrews 1.1, it says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. It was in the Old Testament that God spoke in history through those writers. They were Jewish, they, and, and God used the prophets and Moses and the historians and the poets to record what God had shared and what he had inspired. So there we have in history, God coming down. And God told Moses that I have heard the groanings of my people. I have come down to rescue them. 
And then he said, I'm sending you. So what we see is when Moses went in to Egypt to deliver the people, God was going with him. And God came down in history and manifested his presence in glory. Here's a picture of the Israelites in the wilderness. They were walking through wasteland after God delivered them. And they built what's called the tabernacle. It wasn't that impressive. It was a tent with a surrounding curtain wall and a little altar. And then it had an inner sanctuary. Now that was full of gold. And people from the surrounding nations had to think these people were crazy. What are they doing camping around this center tent? And what are they doing making that inner tent a golden sanctuary? That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's where the Ten Commandments were, and a jar of manna, and eventually Aaron's uh, staff that had budded. And so, but if you had gone in there, you would have seen all this gold in a tent. Uh, today, if you camp in a way that is a little too glamorous, there's a word for that. It's called glamping. It's where you glamour camp. This is the ultimate glamping. They've got this tent full of gold in the middle of nowhere. But listen, it's empty. There's nothing, there's no idol. All of the other nations had their idols, their statues, their gods. The Israelites, they had an empty golden tent. But by faith, they realized that that was the very earthly seat of God's heavenly presence. God was with them. God himself was with them. Eventually, the tabernacle would become a temple in Solomon's day, and God would fill that temple with the glory of his presence so that the priests couldn't even get inside to do the work. But the Israelites now were in the middle of nowhere. And then they had a terrible day. They sinned against the Lord. And in Exodus 33, Moses records it. Here's what it says. God said, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. Hey, what does that mean? That means that God said, look, I've had it. You keep going up to this land of promise, but you have crossed me for the last time. I'm staying here. And they could have gone on. They could have entered the land. They could have had security. They were in the middle of nowhere. But they considered this to be a disastrous word. And listen, this is one of those times where God's people got it right. They got it right. And in Exodus 33, 15, Moses said to him, If your presence will not not go with me, Do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? They said, God, if you're not going, we're not going. We'd rather stay in this wilderness with you than go into a land flowing with milk and honey without you. And hey, is that your heart? Is your heart, Lord, if we're in the wilderness together, then so be it. I'm not leaving this place without you. What a wonderful portrait of God being with people and people having a chance to respond to the reality of his presence. And they got it right here. And God forgave them. It was in that moment where Moses nailed his feet to the floor and said, we're not going anywhere. That's when God said he would show Moses his glory. And that's when the very glory of God came down and passed in front of Moses' eyes. But look, if they were just like, all right, we're gone. God said, go, we're leaving. They would have never seen that. So when we read and understand in the Bible that we encounter God in history, we learn his ways, we remember his promises, we heed his warnings all in the Bible. We delight in his wonders. 
Hey, are you in the Bible? Are, are you read, don't be afraid of the Old Testament. Are you reading your Bible and reminding yourself of how God showed up in history? Hey, are you letting your heart be filled with fear because you think God's plan might be ruined for your life right now? Are you afraid that God may have somehow let go and history's off the rails right now? Or are you suspicious that given how weird and strange and unprecedented things are now that God must be at a loss for how to respond? Let me just encourage you. God has made himself known in crazier times than this. And he is more than able of making his presence known in history in our day. The question is, will we insist on it? Will we say, God, here's where we are. We're not going anywhere without you. Will you say that in your prayer life this week to him? Will you say, God, here I am. I'm not going anywhere without you. You lead the way. I'm not running. I'm not hiding. I'm here and I'm staying with you. I know it's a wilderness. I know it's... I know I can't get out of it as fast as I want, but if you're here, I'm good. Maybe that needs to be the cry of your heart this week. God, guide my every step through this wilderness because if you're here, I am good. That is a statement of resolve. Number one, encounter and enjoy God in creation. Number two, encounter and enjoy God in history. Number three, jot this down, encounter and enjoy God in Christ in Christ. You see, all of history culminated in the coming of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what everything in the Old Testament looked forward to. The fullest and the final disclosure of God to man is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the personal presence of God Almighty, and therefore only Jesus can lead us to an eternal encounter with God. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And if we want to enjoy God's presence perfectly and eternally, we have to go through Jesus. Here's a picture of the birth of Christ. He stepped down from heaven. From heaven he came down. And you remember what he was referred to, right? Emmanuel. And what did Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel meant God with us. God with us. Do you see how God is determined to be present with us? And Jesus came down to do what? To bring us back to God. Jesus came down to do what? To bridge that gap that existed between us and a holy God. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. They couldn't find their way back to the tree of life. Jesus came down and he he now gives us that access. He is the life. In Ephesians 2.13 it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ there is symbolic for his death. It means that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sins. And the Bible says that our sins have separated us from God. Why does God feel so far away? How come he seems invisible and inaccessible? Why has God never been real to me? Well, it's because only in Jesus Christ can you be reconciled to God. Hey, all of the pain and the hurt and the heartache and the trouble in your life uh, has been God's way of saying, you need my son. You need my son. And then when you find Jesus, you become united to God. Only Jesus can do that. He can give you a personal relationship with God where God is present in power in your life every moment of every day. Hey, has Jesus saved you? If so, you are welcome in the presence of God. 
the Bible makes the audacious claim that we can actually come boldly into the heavenly throne room of God with any request. There are a lot of places on earth that we can't go. Just go ahead and try and walk into Fort Knox. Go, try and walk into the Department of Defense. Just stroll your way up into the White House. And trust me, you'll find out real fast that you are not allowed there. All right? But how amazing is it that if we go into the very throne room, the heavenly throne room of God, we're allowed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus gives us access into God's presence. Here's a picture of the cross. What did Jesus do? He died. He died because our sins demanded a punishment. Our sins demanded a penalty. Because God is just, he had to punish sin. But because God is merciful, he sent his only son to bear that punishment. Do you see how the way into God's presence requires the Lord Jesus Christ? And then there's, there's a wonderful truth in Romans 8, 38 that applies to those who have been born again through faith in Jesus Christ. It says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's amazing. When you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have to go out there and find God's presence somewhere. You're inseparable. You're inseparable. Now, you'll experience that presence differently every day. But listen, I want you to know that in Christ, God's presence is a permanent reality. The Bible says that you become a temple of the living God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, you might have a bad day where you're cranky, where you lose it, right? Where, where you're not yourself, where you don't watch what you eat. And by the, by the time that you put your head on the pillow, you're like, this is one of my worst days ever. And maybe all day long, you didn't think much about God and you didn't even feel like he was close. Hey, that didn't change anything for a child of God about the ultimate relationship you have with him. He's going to use that to remind you of what's true in this world and what's best and what's beautiful and what's glorious. His spirit is going to shepherd your heart. And then the next day when you wake up, he's going to be inviting you to something better. You can't blow it. You can't lose God's spirit once he's in your life. And maybe you've had those amazing days where you just feel like every worship song is your, is your tune and, and you feel like you're so patient with everyone and you're caring about people and you're remembering your responsibility. And then when you put your head down at night, you're like, this was an amazing day. Hey, listen, that didn't change anything about your relationship with God. Sure, he's pleased with you and everyone else, you know, thinks it's a lot easier to live with you too. But look, your relationship with God has nothing to do with your performance, it's what Christ did on the cross that unites you to him. So then our responsibility is simply to enjoy his presence, to respond to his presence, not poorly like Adam and Eve in the garden, but like uh, the Israelites in the wilderness saying, look, I want to enjoy your presence, Father. How are you doing at abiding in God's presence through your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It's all about the strength and the depth of a relationship. Do you feel like your relationship with Jesus is getting better? Do you feel like you're trusting him more? You're being more honest with him? Do you feel like you're going places where you can disclose to him more easily just how you're feeling? Or are you feeling more tempted to isolate, to pull away, uh, to, to just fake it 
and, and to not be real. How is the health of your relationship with God through Jesus? Are you talking to God about all your troubles? Are you wrestling with God about all of your disappointments? Are you pleading with God for all of your desires? Are you resting in God regardless of the outcome? Hey, listen, this is what Jesus came for. He promises to never leave us and to never forsake us. He's going to walk with us through any weather on any day. So number three, encounter and enjoy God's presence in Christ. So first in creation, second in history, third in Christ, and fourth, write this down, we can encounter and enjoy God in church, in church. We've learned in the book of Ephesians how the church is like a building, a building in which God lives, not the bricks and the mortar, but the community. And so because God dwells in us, meaning plural, us, that means that if you really want to encounter God, if you want to encounter and enjoy his presence, you have to be around other Christians. If the church is a building, you can't be an isolated brick. If the church is a body, you can't be an amputated body part. If the church is a flock, you can't be wandering off all by yourself. Listen, Christians who press into more community and get around other Christians will be healthier. And, and this is what's great. You'll encounter God's presence uh, in a powerful way. You'll feel like you're hearing from him. You'll, you'll feel like he's real to you. But Christians who pull out of community and try and go it alone, they wonder where God is. They wonder why their spiritual life is stuck. They wonder why they're not getting the direction or the provision or the protection they desire. And it's because they're away from the body. They're away from the family. They're away from the building. And that's not the way God intended us to enjoy his presence. So we have to encounter and enjoy God in church. That means that we worship together, that we love one another, that we grow together, that we forgive each other, and that we move forward in community. Sure, this seems like a harder way because it can get difficult and complicated when you're around the same people year after year, but this is where we encounter God. This is where we enjoy his presence, when we do the hard work of staying connected and avoiding isolation, are you staying connected? Are you opening up to fellow Christians on how you're really doing? Are you seeking that out or are you just sinking into isolation or, or, or self-pity or uh, self-condemnation or, or self-absorption? Are you just drifting away from other people? Hey, we're meant to encounter and enjoy God in church. In Ephesians 2.22, it says this, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That paints a picture of a community of people that know that God is among us. And look, when the world watches us, we want them to see the love that we have for one another. And then when they see that, they will know that the presence of God is among us. Do you know that the main way that God is going to manifest his presence in your life is through the spiritual gifts of other Christians? He'll use others to care for you. He'll use others to encourage you. He'll use others to challenge you. Yes, there's a big place for you just getting alone with your Bible and having a prayer time with Jesus. Yes, but getting around some other brothers and sisters who you, you risk by telling them where you're at and how you're doing. That's where God shows up. God shows up in power when we're honest with each other, when we tell people the truth, even when it might be embarrassing, when we tell them when we need help. 
And when we look into the lives of others and we say, I think that person needs help. I think I might need to help that person out. And we initiate that. I've heard it said before that a church community can either end up turning into a bag of marbles or a bag of grapes. A bag of marbles, oh, they're all in the same place, but they're cold and they bounce off each other and they scatter as soon as you open the bag. But a bundle of grapes, they are connected by the vine. They all draw life source from the same source and that's so different. So how are we doing it becoming not just this bag of marbles that so happens to be collected together now and then, uh, but this bag of grapes where we are sharing life and nourishment from the same vine and we're not going anywhere, right? Encounter and enjoy God in church. So here's what we have. If you want to encounter God and enjoy his presence, understand that God promises to be with us as we grow in love. This is what our souls need to hear, that God is with us. And we want to encounter and enjoy him in creation and in history and his word and and in Christ, his son, and also in his church, his bride. We talked about the past. We talked about the present. Let me leave you with a promise for the future. It says in Jude 1, 24 to 25, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is a beautiful truth. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence in Jesus Christ that when we stand before God Almighty in the future, in his presence, it says that we can be unashamed and that we can have great joy. And that's true yesterday, and that's true today, and that's true forever. So let me just reassure you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're afraid of, however you're feeling right now, God promises to be with us as we grow in love. God is with us. Let's enjoy his presence. Let's encounter him there as we build one another up in love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, what a wonderful, wonderful God you are. Throughout history, you continue to make your presence known, inviting us to learn who you are, And we have a choice. We can respond to that revelation. And I pray for those who are watching this morning who have no personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Maybe they assumed they were okay with you, but now they realize that it's only in Christ that they can encounter you. It's only in Christ that they can enjoy you. And maybe this morning they've realized for the first time that you have not been with them, that they are not welcome in your presence, and they won't be welcome into heaven forever. Here and now, I pray because of your conviction in their heart that they would forsake their life of sin and they would say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, bring me to God. They may want to pray that right now out loud, wherever they are. They might want to say that. Jesus, bring me to God. Give me access into God's presence. And Lord, for those of us who have enjoyed walking with you for years and decades even, I pray that you would revive our hearts Renew our souls. Help us to run toward you now. Help us to abide in your presence now. To, uh, Lord, to, to weed out the garden of our heart and our soul of all nonsense and noise and to give you the center seat right in the middle to prepare a place for you to settle in. 
I just pray, O oh Lord, that you would be the most welcome guest in the council chambers of our hearts this week, that we would listen to you, that we would lean into you, that we would seek you and find you and draw near to you, and that there we would find rest for our souls. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for when we run from you, when we hide from you, when we run to other things or places or people that cannot satisfy, when we dig wells, O oh Lord, for our own souls that are broken and can't hold water. Forgive us, Jesus, for being satisfied with far too little. Help us, O oh Lord, to come again into your holy presence, and I pray that you would fill us with all the joy of heaven, yesterday and today and forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are loved.